Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I've known, and two things up for a review this week. First, there's the new film from Ethan Cohen, Drive Away Dolls, and then there's the latest live action take on Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. First up is a new film called Drive Away Dolls, and it is directed by Ethan Cohen of the Cohen Brothers and written by him and his wife, Trisha Cook, who has served as an editor on a lot of the Cohen Brothers films. And the premise behind it is it's about two women who go on a road trip and they accidentally come into possession of this package that, you know, doesn't belong to them. And it's about the people who are trying to get it back. Now, when I saw the cast for this film, I was super stoked. It's Geraldine Viswanathan, Beanie Feldstein, Margaret Qualley, Coleman Domingo, Pedro Pascal, Bill Camp, and Matt Damon. And you look at a lineup like that and you go, yeah, okay, this seems like it's going to be pretty good. My biggest issue with this film is that it is a very queer-centric story. And it feels like it is written by very straight people. Now, apparently, Trisha Cook identifies as queer and, you know, uh, sexuality is obviously a spectrum and I'm not challenging that. But the way it is written does not feel like an authentic portrayal of, you know, the main characters played by Margaret Qualley and Geraldine Viswanathan are both gay, as is Beanie Feldstein's character. And I think the, like, lack of authenticity really shows through. It feels like a how-do-you-do-fellow-youths but a how-do-you-do-fellow-queers version of this film. In fact, the only people who I think are openly gay who are in this film are Beanie Feldstein and Coleman Domingo. But anyway, I don't want to say it felt overtly male gaze-y, but it also didn't feel authentic feminine and queer gaze. You know, there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of jokes about things, but it didn't play off as funny as well. It doesn't feel like it's portraying an authentically queer story. It's supposed to be a comedy, but I didn't laugh once. You know, you've cast two people who I don't think identify at all as queer as the lead. So it's just problem after problem piling up. And on top of it, it's a paper-thin story. I think Geraldine Viswanathan is the savior of this film. Actually, and Bill Camp. He has a minor role, but he's great in it. But like Margaret Qualley is doing this super terrible Southern accent in it. I think she's supposed to be from Texas. And there were times where I kept looking at her. I was like, you look like if Rami Malek and Timothy Chalamet had been combined together in one of those, you know, like baby generators. And like, that is what the result would be. So I was very distracted by that. But that's, I'm not saying she's ugly. It's just like, I was like, oh, you don't, this is a weird look that you're rocking right now. Yeah, oh my god, I wanted to like this movie. I could not like this movie. And if you are thinking that, oh, it's got all these other celebrities in it, blah, blah, this isn't an overt spoiler, but like their cumulative screen time is probably five minutes. <laughs> Maybe that, you know, like they are cameos at best. The fact that they have billing in this is, it tells you that they didn't feel like it was strong enough in order to get people to go see it on its own. And they're like, we have to rely on the Pedro Pascal name, the Matt Damon name, even though they are not heavily featured in it. I just... Yeah, it just, I wanted, I want to see a movie like this from the people who did Bottoms. Like, I want people who are capable of telling the stories and have a sense of humor grounded in the correct community to be telling stories like this. Just because you're a Coen brother does not mean every movie makes golden. You know, it. I feel like in some senses, it's vaguely trying to stay away from some lesbian tropes, but then it's also creating these weird situations that I'm like, is this a fantasy sprung from the mind of people who are not accurately embedded in a community so yeah I I do you know this movie was 84 minutes and I kept being like when will it be over always a bad sign it tries to take some absurdist turns in order to I don't know shock the audience into thinking it's good but at the end of the day it's just a not interesting film that drags along even though it's very short that is borderline offensive honestly at some points thinking about the creative team behind it and then you know being kind of frustrated at the folks who did sign on because I'm like maybe you know maybe the script read a lot better than the actual edited cut of the film but I just I cannot recommend this movie it was painful there is no reason for you to see it I'm gonna give it a 1.5 out of 5. 
The other thing I have this week is Avatar The Last Airbender, and this is the latest live-action take on the animated show. And I will fully acknowledge up front, my only sort of uh, frame of reference for this is the M. Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> I, I think I may have tried to watch a few episodes of the cartoon. I know people love it. I'm so happy for them. I'm sure it's great and amazing. I just never was able to get into it. And then I saw the M. Night Shyamalan film, and I remember I was sitting in New York uh, with a bunch of friends watching it and questioning our life choices. And I think the best part of the movie was a guy in the theater fell asleep and started snoring so loudly that the entire theater started laughing. That was more enjoyable than the entire of the M. Night Shyamalan film. So clearly this is a beloved enough series that they're like, no, let's do it again. Let's do it right. And I appreciate that this time around, they actually cast people of color and indigenous people in the roles that are effectively supposed to be, you know, obviously it's a fictional land, but these are like Asian people for the most part. So thank you for actually getting that right. So like I said, I can't evaluate this based on how much you would like this if you are a huge fan of the cartoon. What I can say is, in terms of watchability and, you know, if you're coming to this fresh and you're like, what is this hullabaloo all about and why do people love this so much? I think this is a decent primer on it. You know, it gets the story across. It's only eight episodes. I think they maybe could have shaved it down a little bit, but it didn't feel overly long. And so as Gordon Cormore as Aang, Kyo Wintio as Katara, Dallas James Liu as Prince Zuko, Ian Osley as Sokka, Paul Sung Hyung Lee as Uncle Iro, Ken Leung as Commander Zhao, the one and only Daniel Day Kim as Fire Lord Ozai, and then it's got a bunch of folks who have some pretty decent roles in individual episodes. So like I said, not familiar with the source material particularly well, but I enjoyed this enough. I think one of the things about the uh, animated series from Nickelodeon is it does skew a little bit more juvenile and feels like, and I think this is a slightly more for lack of a better word serious take on it and also the pacing of it is just a little bit different than the animated show which just makes it a different thing to digest now I will say some of the visual effects are rough there are some episodes where you're like wow this is amazing I can't believe they pulled that off and then some you're like ooh this does not look good and unfortunately and strangely those episodes are weighted towards the beginning and you think you would want to make sure that you hook people in and don't give them a reason not to watch the show in the beginning and then be like, you know, you could take some liberties later in the production schedule. But but hey, it's out there. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the overall story of Avatar The Last Airbender, it's about this basically like prophet-esque boy who is able to master the four elements that people are able to manipulate in this world. So it's air, earth, fire, and water. And then there's like fire nation and, and they attack everyone. So he gets stuck in ice for like a hundred years. And so he wakes up into a world that is completely different from the one that he was born into and you know it's it's basically like one group trying to take over the entire world and so it's him on an adventure tried to learn to master his powers without anybody who's actually able to guide him and then meeting friends along the way etc etc adventures and then everyone is hunting him because you know he's this messiah-esque character so if your only familiarity with it is like me and you've only seen the M. Night Shyamalan version I would actually say give this a try like cleanse your palate because you were clearly interested enough to give that a chance so you might as well give this much better version of a chance the writing the actual writing of it pretty rudimentary like it's youth friendly so it's not exactly like Shakespeare here but that's fine it's enjoyable you know again it, it's young adult antics you know comparing it to a series like Percy Jackson which came out or like the one piece adaptation I think this is okay it's up there it's not quite as good as either of those I think is an adaptation I say this not having seen the source material but just as a translation of something that's like clearly very popular and you know trying to reach a newer audience it's it's decent and so I think if you are at all interested it's worth checking out it's not going to disappoint you the same way that the other one did if you are a hardcore fan I think you're going to watch this anyway because you are a hardcore fan and you love the characters and you love the story so Avatar The Last Airbender is out streaming now on Netflix 
That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a review, and even consider subscribing.